you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We welcome you once. We welcome you twice. We welcome you three times in the mighty name of Jesus Tyrone Christ. No, (laughs) this is Surviving Fundamentalism. It's a podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, probably, you're going to have some problems with this shit. Uh, thank you once again for listening. Glad to be in your listening ears. Amen. Uh, so grateful to be here on tonight. We came to give him the glory. Huh? We came to give him all the praise. You ought to hey, glory. You ought to get up and book right now. Oh, glory, glory, glory. No. <laughs> Uh, if you've never heard this show before, we do like to have a good, uh, churchy time while also just discussing things, things that be happening, things that be getting on the people's nerves. Um, and yeah, the people is me. The people is me. That was actually, uh. <laughs> by Instagram that had made that noise. Um but that's because I'm trying to find the video for the clip of the week that we'll be using in a few minutes. But thank you once again for joining me. Um last week we discussed um a lot of things, particularly uh Jesus and John Wayne uh and you know i shared my notes and quotables with you all from that book a lot of what we've been talking about um which is the way in which uh white supremacy or, or white supremacist capitalist uh male patriarchy really the battery in its back this sort of uh, contingency this, this this mutual uh love relationship between uh, the white supremacist agenda and the church, you know, and how white people really believe that Jesus belongs to them and they have a whole entirely different Jesus than we do. And their Jesus is made by them to and gives them the strength to harm and disenfranchise everybody else in the name of their Jesus. And they go every week and they worship him differently. Um, And their alliance and their allegiance is to uh, push their agendas to the forefront um, of this culture and this society. And they do that by literally sort of mixing in uh, white agenda and people who are wealthy and benefiting from the cluelessness, uh, the cluelessness and the fuckness of these people, um, really just allow it to be done because they know that these people are idiots. 
and they know like it's not going to affect them either way. Right. But what is going to affect them is the more those people continue to vote against their own interest and not want to hold corporations and hold the wealthy accountable, the more they're going to get away with. Um, and, uh, and the poor stay poor, the rich get richer, and um, the powers that be stay in power, and, and the people never unite. Um, and that's the goal, and that's the purpose, and it's a very interesting role that uh, white evangelicalism uh, plays in this. Um, and so, you know, that's just a topic that's been an ongoing topic because I like to think about it in the in the um, intersectionality, right, of, of the way, you know, in the ways in which that, that, like, white evangelicalism intersects with black Christianity and the ways in which those white supremacist talking points have been used in black churches um, to demonize and control people of color and black people, black people in particular, um, and how it's been done so across the Western Hemisphere and around the world. Um, but, you know, in countries that... Uh, you know, have better education systems, it's not even a concern to me, you know. But, hey, <laughs> you know what we're doing over here? We're actually taking historical facts and saying to hell with them uh, because they don't fit an agenda. Um, And it's really interesting, all of it. And, you know, that's what we talked about last week. Um, It was my return to the show after a month. Uh, amongst, you know, several other things. But uh, once again, thank you for listening. We're going to get right into the show. I'm going to play a video by a young uh, woman named Melissa Stewart, who is an attorney, um, who I love the way that she addresses this. And I'm not sure if I've played this on this video before, on this podcast before, but um, play it again. This is the uh, uh, clip of the week. Ten years old, the first time a teacher ever stood in front of my classroom and plucked the. All right, the let's restart that. I was ten years old, the first time a teacher ever stood in front of my classroom and plucked the petals off a flower. This is what happens to your soul when you have sex, she said. And who would want this flower now? This flower whose petals had long since been plucked from her stem. This piece of chewed gum, this useless piece of tape, this half-empty bottle of soda. Her words imprinted on my 10-year-old mind kept me in silence and in shame. But I didn't stay 10 years old forever. And the flower of my soul grew thorns, and those thorns became steel. I found words of my own, and my voice is both sword and shield, forged in the fires of indoctrination, sharpened on the stone of deconstruction, tested in battle against your lies again and again. So be careful before you test the strength of your dogma against the strength of my soul, because there is nothing more dangerous than a woman who knows her own worth. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. 
plucking the flowers and saying, who's going to want that flower now? Um, but I think I want, I think because I'm black and I'm queer and I'm also a survivor of Christian fundamentalism, I want to talk a little bit about the way it affected me as a black queer person. I think it's very interesting, you know, the things that women often go through in when when being taught of their bodies, right? And and, and in fact, you know, which kind of brings me to Aretha Franklin's Cause a rose is still a rose and baby girl, you're still a flower. You know, it's like nobody can take away the fact that you are still a flower. Um, and you know, that whole thing, notion of that song, but yeah, you know, this idea of like the fact that women are deflowered and they're no longer pure and, and all of that, that has so much to do with patriarchy. But I think the other part of that is that I internalized a lot of that teaching about myself too. Um, you know, and, and though I don't, I know for me as a queer person, might have been a little different. I don't know what it is to be like, you know, a, a heterosexual male and encountering that, you know, and encountering that doctrine. I wasn't that. Um, maybe somebody can write in and tell me what that was like. But I know for me as a queer person, I was, I was, there was always so much language shot in my direction by adults who had already sexualized my existence in their presumptions that I was going to be queer, um, that I was going to be gay, and they often wanted me to know how nasty any idea of intimacy between two people of the same gender uh, was. Um out of nowhere, I remember playing with my friends one day and having um, a family member of mine who was much, much older than me, uh, maybe about 15 or 16 years older than me, say to me, um, do you want a vagina? And I was like, no. Why would you ask me that? And he's like, oh, because you're, you, you hang with a bunch of people who have them so you act like you want one and I'm like what are you talking about I was probably like I don't know maybe 10 at the time and I just thought it was so strange I remember adults having adult my cousin's husband had a conversation with me one day about how I was never to allow anybody to put anything into my anal cavity I was also a minor he was a grown man because it was losing my manhood. And once you lose it, you can never get it back. Conversations, inappropriate conversations that should never be happening with a minor or somebody else's child. Girl. And so I remember just receiving a lot of that dialogue about purity. The same way that women received it right was like it was almost like nobody ever talked to me though really about sex with women because that was to be rewarded 
that was to, if I could get sex with women, then that was to be cheer, cheered on. Hoorah! You know, like, barking, like, yo. Like, I remember I fingered a girl and went went to school, and my mans was like, yo, yo, let me smell your finger, bro. And they was, like, cheering me up and dapping me up in the hallway, like, mad hype. And I'm like, yo, like, what? Like, I'm the nigga, up that nigga? What? Um, and I remember the hype that's given for sex with women and sex, raw sex with women. If she lets you hit raw, that was it. If you got somebody pregnant, there was just like this, this like hoorah, he-man, woman haters, but we love pussy club that you were invited into. And getting that like affirmation. I remember I was like, I had a friend when I was growing up and we were regularly sexually active. And I can say that I sincerely loved him for what I thought love was at that time. I think I loved him. I was really, I really like always wanted to be around him. And I loved when we had intercourse, right? And so one time me, him and his friend were playing truth or dare. And even though me and him had just been like fucking all morning, This girl is like I because I think I like touched her. I think I touched her between her legs or something as the dare. I think I also like rubbed on her nipples and some stuff like that kids do. And I think I probably was like twelve. And like he was like, yeah, 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 that's what's up. And then it was like crazy, like the praise I got. And that was odd, too, because I'm like, nigga, wasn't we just fucking? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's what's up. Like, like you're coaching me on interacting with women. Like, I am with women more times a day than you can imagine. If I wanted to get some per cat, I could get it. Um, I've always had access to it and always had it literally thrown at me. It's not a thing um, for me. And I'm also pansexual. So it's not a thing anyway, because I'm out here and about that life. About all that life. Listen, I always say, if I never have to suck another dick in my life, I will be all right. Amen? <laughs> but eating pussy, that's on my roster for life. <laughs> Hoorah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting the ways in which, uh, you know, like, sex and sexuality, the way that we're informed about those things within the realm of like purity culture and so much i mean i think the deeper i went into um pentecostalism the rules around i mean that's more when i was was you know more hounded about women like it being wrong to mess with women too that weren't my wife, you know, that little more Pentecostal holiness route was like, they were like, oh, you know, that's when the preaching came about single people and single people hanging out and how two single people of opposite genders didn't need to be together alone and how we needed to hang out in groups and not 
together. And when we dated, we needed to take people with us from the church. And there was a lot more put into that when I um, got um, a little older and more deeply involved into, you know, becoming more of a fundamentalist, right? More of a... No, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's good for a man to uh, it's good if a man not touch a woman, you know, and you know, it's it's better to marry than to burn, and you know, all of that to burn with lust, right? And so that's when the conversations more came along, and I remember there was a lot of oddness in that, like. I, and men couldn't touch women's hair because there was some power in their hair that if a man touched it, it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, but then I remember that was more so where the emphasis on controlling your body, the more that I went into fundamentalism and submitted myself to it, the emphasis was definitely on the institution's desire to control your being like your body does not belong to you it belongs to god but the church can do whatever it wants with it the church can require all of your attention all of your time all of your resources and never give you much in return for it but Your body is the Lord's, right? That means the church can exploit you. Um, we want you to sing. You're going to sing for free. You're going to lead worship for free. You're going to do all these things for free. You're going to clean the church for free. You're going to drive the van. You're going you're gonna to drive the church van. You're going to drive the church buses. You're going to do whatever they ask you to do. You're going to sing at four services on a Sunday and two during the week. Because I asked you to and because that's your calling and that's your gift and you're supposed to use it for the betterment of this church. However, your body is not your own ever. And when you attempt at doing things with your body that you want to do, like for me, I wanted to grow a beard at one point. I could not have a beard because it was taught that it was wrong. It was worldly. So I couldn't have a beard. I couldn't grow a beard. Women couldn't paint their nails. Men definitely couldn't paint their nails. And women couldn't cut their hair. Men couldn't grow their hair. Women couldn't do certain styles. Men couldn't do styles at all. <laughs> um, you couldn't grow your hair past your ears as a man. Women, you couldn't, women couldn't cut their hair. You weren't supposed to do your eyebrows, especially if you were a man. You weren't supposed to wear short sleeves. Your body was never your own. You were always being told what you could and could not do with your body, except that which was natural. Like ejaculation. Like masturbation. Um, you, and sex and, and autonomy was never, and consent were not things that were taught in the institution, which should have been taught. You know, everybody wants to hearken on, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
But nobody wants to hearken on that your body is your own. Because knowing that your body in every way gets to be used and absorbed and abused by the institution is also what leads to people within the institution being used and abused and sexually assaulted even because they've given their body to God, quote unquote, to to the church, the institution to be used and that leads to a lot of non-consensual activity happening in spaces, in religious spaces. And clear conversations with young people on the matter needs to be discussed. Certainly. Um, because I think it will lead to a different understanding of sex and sexuality. It is 100% completely normal to desire physical touch, to desire sexual activity, to desire and consent to and engage in all the forms of, of, of touching and kissing and, and sex and sexual intercourse. And all of that is normal. Your body is, your body is functioning as normal. And the idea of teaching about sex and religion should be more about um, teaching people sexual responsibility, sexual awareness, consciousness during sex, a lack of physical and sexual ownership of other people and their bodies. The fact that you don't own people, people can't be owned, they are not property. That people have full autonomy of their bodies and can do whatever they want, whenever they want to. Including leave the church. Including walk away from the ministry. Including not sing in the choir. Including not clean the church. It needs to be taught that the church is a community that people come to. That they can also leave at any given time. That they should come to an institution, come to the institution to do whatever people do within community with each other in a way that is positive and healthy. And if you're going to teach about sex and sexuality, it needs to be these things that I've mentioned. And also, not even just that, there needs to be more teaching about sexuality, brain chemistry, sexual attraction and how much of that is really controlled by God and how much of it is very natural because homosexuality is in the animal kingdom in almost every species and they are not these oftentimes these you know, thinking beings in the same ways in which we are. They are just being. And we are like them in that we just be. I have people in my life, people that listen to this podcast, people that are very good friends of mine, people in my life who never once thought about being in a relationship 
were having sexual relations with the same gender. And then they get older and they have a realization that they are queer or have some sort of attraction to the same gender, different genders, multiple genders. Uh, they might be into trans people. Um, trans people are people. Trans men are men and trans women are women. And that's what it is. But, you know, they might have some, you know, they might meet a trans person and realize that they never thought that they were attracted to people who are trans and, 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 and then they learn that they are people who are in any way on the gender spectrum. And my friends and people and loved ones who grew up and realized that their attraction was much more and greater than it was taught, that it wasn't uh, black or white. I am a non-binary queer person. I use they, them pronouns. I did not know that that was an option growing up. I'm also a pansexual person. I'm attracted to people. Pansexual, bisexual, whatever. <laughs> I'm attracted to people. Um, and I like to have uh, experience intimacy with people. But I do not like bullshit. <laughs> uh which means, like, uh, straight women can apply, but don't bring that bullshit over here. Gender roles and all these expectations that that you might expect a straight cisgender man to be, it's not going to happen over here. Absolutely not. It's not going to happen with me. I cook. Well. I do hair, I cry, I'm soft. At any given time, I am the realest nigga and the baddest bitch in the room, always, at the same time. I want you to be a bad bitch too. <laughs> or the realest nigga. <laughs> it's up to you, mama. Uh, you know, I paint my nails. I wear acrylic sometimes. Um, they are my nails, but I still wear acrylic because I like the way they sound on the table, <laughs> but that's me. That's all me. Um, and, and that's where I am. I am, I am your best girlfriend and your realest homeboy all at once. And I love all of that about me. It's always been who I am. And the fact that those people get to be completely and fully united within my being is just bad bitch duality get into it girl all it all it all it sorry that's my turn new jersey coming out but these are conversations about sex and sexuality that we need to be having um and i'm gonna take a moment and eat a haul and i'll be right back Welcome back on tonight. So, I'm starting a new series um, based on a book by Eckhart Tolle. It's called uh, A New Earth, 
awakening to your life's purpose, the second line isn't really as important as the first, you know? Because I, I don't like to get into conversation about purpose because it's always something that people are seeking out and feel that they need to have and know. And it becomes a means or a tool for capitalism to suck you in, to buy you things, make you buy things and press. And you're always searching and searching and searching. And that is the main tool of capitalism, never being enough. And so, you know, this journey really isn't about like finding your purpose, right? It is about awakening to the fullness of who you are and the fullness of the moment, whatever that is, whenever that is. And so I just want to begin, you know, with a little bit about Eckhart Tolle. He's a spiritual teacher. He's not aligned with any particular religion and tradition. Um, religion or tradition. Uh, he has said that there is a way out of suffering and into peace. He said that he was 25 and a student, and he thought that he was an intellectual, and he thought that uh, any answers he needed could be found in the intellect. And then he didn't realize that thinking without awareness is the main dilemma of human existence. And so this journey really is about awareness and all of that. So in a new earth, religion and spirituality. The first quote of his says, partly as a result of the spiritual teachings that have arisen outside of established religions, but also due to an influx of the ancient Eastern wisdom teachings, a growing number of followers of traditional religions are able to let go of identification with form, dogma, and rigid belief systems, and discover the original depth that is hidden within their own spiritual tradition at the same time as they discover the depth within themselves. They realize that how spiritual you are has nothing to do with what you believe, but everything to do with your state of consciousness. This in turn determines how you act in the world and interact with others. A couple weeks ago, we talked about um, redefining who God is to you, what it means to you, what it is to you. We're finding, redefining how you interact with that thing and how redefining all of these things and the ways in which it can call you, cause you to react and reflect in the world. And essentially this uh, section on religion and spirituality is, is on point, right? So many people are already aware of the difference between spirituality and religion. They realize that having a belief system, which is a set of thoughts that you regard as the absolute truth, does not make you spiritual, no matter what the nature of those beliefs are, right, is. Um, in fact, the more you make your thoughts, beliefs, into your identity, the more cut off you are from the spiritual dimension within yourself. <laughs> All of the white folks we're talking about, 
and a lot of them black ones too, they're stuck in that world with their belief systems, and it's my identity, and I just don't believe that. I just don't believe that. I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, and I don't believe that because, you know, abortion is a baby. It's killing a baby, and, you know, all that shit that people get into, they don't religious and, 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 and foolish. They, are, they, they have made their identities into these literal just talking points. Fox News talking points. Many religious people are stuck at that level. They equate truth with thought as they are completely identified with thought, their mind. They claim to be in sole possession of the truth in an unconscious attempt to protect their identity. <laughs> unconscious attempt to protect their identity. We got the truth. You can't join and you got to be born in. We got the truth over here, the truth of God, the truth of God and prophecy, the truth of God and holiness. Come on, somebody. You know, that's, it's really about protecting the identity that they have made into, they say, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And we got it this way and we got it right, right? So this is really about protecting that identity. The new spirituality, the transformation of consciousness is arising to a large extent outside of the structures of existing institutionalized religions. A large-scale opening of spirituality outside of the religious structures is entirely is an entirely new development. In the past, this would have been inconceivable, especially in the West, the most mind-dominated of all cultures, where the Christian church had a virtual franchise on spirituality. We know that. In the service of truth, religious teachings represent signposts or maps left behind by awakened humans to assist you in spiritual awakening. That is to say, in becoming free of identification with form. Christ can be seen as an archetypal human embodying both the pain and the possibility of transcendence, right? And it was something along these lines that made... Eckhart Tolle, that made me want to talk about this with y'all because Oprah asked him in this thing, are you afraid of death? And he was like, no. She's like, you're absolutely, positively not afraid of dying. And he was like, no, because I am not my body. I am, I am, this body is like a vessel, but I am not my body. And I am, and, and he was like, and, and so... I'm not afraid to to lose this life because it's not mine. And I'm going, you know, that like I, you know, my energy is going to live on, so I'm not afraid to lose this life. And I was like, damn. And that's why I was like, I need to talk to the people about this. <laughs> I need to talk to the to the surviving fundamentalism uh folks over there because i feel like there's something they could get down with right but he says if we look more deeply into humanity's ancient religions and spiritual traditions 
we will find that underneath the many surface differences, there are two core insights that most of them agree on. The words they use to describe those insights differ, yet they all point to a twofold fundamental truth. The first part of this truth is the realization that the normal state of mind of most human beings contains a strong element of what we call dysfunction or even madness. Think about that. I think about immediately Jeremiah comes to mind where he says, for the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And I think about that and, and the fact that like the junk that is put into your mind through pain, trauma, capitalist existence, trying to be feel as if you are enough, warring against all the negative words that were spoken to you and trying to just all of that. And I think mm, the heart, the mind, the part of mind that is connected to emotion, emotional awareness is deceitful above all things. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most ancient religions and spiritual traditions share the common insight that our normal state of mind is marred by fundamental defect. However, out of this insight into the na nature of the human condition, we may call it the bad news arises a second insight, the good news of the possibility of a radical transformation of human consciousness. In Hindu teachings, sometimes in Buddhism, also this transformation is called enlightenment. In the teachings of Jesus, it is salvation. In Buddhism, it is the end of suffering, liberation, and awakening are other terms used to describe this transformation enlightening awareness liberation the end of suffering coming to your the core of your being just being because you just are right and, and and remembering to tap into where you are let's keep going so a new earth the physical body most people are so distracted by their thoughts so identified with the voices in their heads, they can no longer feel the aliveness within them. To be unable to feel the life that animates the physical body, the very life that you are, is the greatest deprivation that can happen to you. Just going through life, functioning. We all do that shit. I was driving to work the other day and I realized like, I'm driving to work. But I am fully not present in the fact that I'm driving to work. I'm just on the damn turnpike in my car, podcast playing in the background, driving to work and not even attentive, just literally like a functioning, like a robot, like not present in my body, in the vehicle while I'm driving just on autopilot. And, and he says, you then begin to look not only for substitutes for that natural state of well-being within, but also for something to cover up the continuous unease or disease that you feel 
when you are not in touch with the aliveness that is always there, but usually overlooked. The physical body is no more than a misperception of who you are. In many ways, it is a microcosmic version of outer space. So your physical body, which is form, reveals itself as essentially formless when you go deeper into it. It becomes a doorway into inner space. Breathing really isn't something that you do, but something that you witness as it happens. Breathing happens by itself. The intelligence within the body is doing it. All you have to do is watch it happening. This makes me think of when my therapist said to me one day, she was like, your anxiety, all those wild thoughts, they're going to happen anyway. Just sit there and watch them happen. You don't have to react to those thoughts. If they come, they come and watch them pass. And that's what they would do. They would come and I would go, hmm. and then they would pass. But sometimes you get caught up and you lean in and now you're frantic or depressed or sad. Your brain is going to brain. <laughs> your brain is going to do what it's going to do. What you can do is realize that your brain is doing what it's doing. It's linking things. It's 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 uh, creating a sort of active schema, right? And you, it's gonna do what it's gonna do, and and because you've lived, you see shit, you watch it, you experience things, and your brain is constantly reminding you of that. But it's gonna do what you're gonna do. But when he talks about your physical body, um, is a is a microcosmic version of outer space, um. And talks about how when you go deeper, it becomes a doorway to inner space. That might sound wild as fuck, but I got hypnotized one time by a therapist. Um, and it was the first time in my life where my brain had shut off. It was the first time in my life where my brain became completely silent. And I wept in that man's office. I wept because I did not know what the fuck was going on. What had he done to me? Why was I feeling this? Why was I, wasn't, wasn't I feeling anything? And why was my brain so quiet? I just had never heard so much peace in my life. And I just wept because I finally heard nothing. You all know my journey. You know I'm neurodivergent. You know I'm on the autism spectrum. You know I have ADD. You know that I have P PTSD um, and I've been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. A lot of things going on, right? And so to have complete silence, was it, it still makes me emotional. So that doorway to inner space is like, <laughs> it's almost like when I'm completely quiet. And sometimes... I'll be quiet and I'll just, and, 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 and sometimes when I just need to 
tap in or go away. I can just get quiet and I can go. Love lifted me. Oh, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. And I can sit in that thing, okay? Or yes, yes, oh yes. Just a yes. A yes to silence. (laughs) A yes to peace. And that thing, it hits me, and it's like a, it's like a, it's like it just taps in. Back in the day, we said when people would get the Holy Ghost, and they would, we would have people tarry, and they would like hit this thing where they would cross over, and they go to speaking in tongues, and they would often say that they couldn't hear nothing. It was like their body had turned into its most innermost self, and they lost concept with the outside world because they were tapped into self so deep you know that thing i call i like to call the known beyond the known where you go and um it's like everything and no thing at all but it's there and and that thing tells you to go home when you're like why i gotta go home i don't feel like going home into the ditch go home <laughs> leave now and you don't listen and some wild shit happens <laughs> like me I crashed my car that time um, but some had told me to go home hours early and I didn't listen yep <laughs> yep you know so that thing tell you be still <laughs> stay put and you don't listen and, and, and you find out the hard way yep that thing it's like that known beyond and on that doorway to inner space is it's it's really interesting but yes let's go on to the next part the ego ego is no more than this identification with form which primarily means thought forms if evil has any reality and it has a relative not an absolute reality. This is also its definition. Complete identification with form. Physical forms, thought forms, emotional forms. This results in a total unawareness of my connectedness with the whole. (laughs) My intrinsic oneness with every other as well as with the source. This forgetfulness is original sin, suffering, and delusion. Boom. Do you, it's, 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 when I go, when I deviate from my connectedness, my connection, to the whole, to the whole of my being, to the whole of everything I am. 
because I just am. And I know that I am because I'm being. And I'm happening. It's happening. Life is happening in me, with me. I'm it. But when I'm disconnected from that, when I take on identification with physical forms, we talked about capitalism and it always wanting to be enough and never feeling like you're enough. We talked about the ways in which capitalism, the part it plays in making you feel like you're never enough. Physical forms, physical things, money, even your physical body. When you start taking an identification, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm, I'm not that, right? I'm, 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 I'm not a size four or whatever. I'm not a size this, and and I don't look like everybody else. And and in thought forms and emotional forms and 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 and, and the ego is the the in the worst forms of evil. Evil, right? Is 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 complete identification with form. Physical forms, thought forms, emotional forms. This results in a, a total unawareness of my connectedness with the whole. My intrinsic oneness with every other as well as with the source, the known beyond the known. This forgetfulness is original sin. It's where suffering comes from. It's delusion. It's we attach ourselves to forms and those things become us rather than us being in control hmm. this is good it's ministering to me as well the ego could be defined simply in this way a dysfunctional relationship with the present moment ah the density of the ego depends on the degree to which you, the consciousness, are identified with your mind, with thinking. Thinking is no more than a tiny aspect of the totality of consciousness, the totality of who you are. Until now, human intelligence, which is no more than a minute aspect of universal intelligence, has been distorted and misused by the ego. I call that intelligence in the service of madness in our planet the human ego represents the final stage of universal sleep the identification of consciousness with form it was a necessary stage in the evolution of consciousness if the structures of the human mind remain unchanged we will always end up recreating fundamentally the same world the same evils the same dysfunction this is good. This brings to mind um, when people create revolutions. The one thing for me, I used to be a democratic socialist. I'm a democratic socialist. I am a democratic socialist. I used to read a lot of, you know, communist literature and read a lot about revolutions. The hardest thing about the history of revolutions is how when the people take over, um, after the revolution and they kill and eat the rich and all that, the people end up becoming the very same thing that they never wanted to become. The very same thing that they hated and fought against, they become that. 
um, and literally become like evil dictators to their people. The same people that they fought to free, the same people, they literally become that same dysfunction. It's very interesting. And this is similar to that because of the ego, because they have identified themselves with some some form and they did not leave the the lack of consciousness in the past. Um, yeah, that's what it makes me think of. If the structures of the human mind remain unchanged, we will always end up recreating fundamentally the same world, the same evils, the same dysfunction. Don't take ego too seriously. When you detect egoic behavior in yourself, smile. At times, you may even laugh. Right? Like, we were talking about with my thoughts, with my anxiety thoughts, like, like just watching them bitches pass. Like, the fuck can you do about any of this? And what is, what is you getting flustered or allowing these thoughts to affect you going to do for you? But make your day a living fucking hell, right? The ego tends to equate having with being. Mm-hmm. I have, therefore I am. And the more I have, the more I am. And the ego lives through comparison. How you are seen by others turns into how you see yourself. (laughs) It's crazy. It's been like most of my life, yo. The ego identifies with having, but its satisfaction in having is a is a relatively shallow and short-lived one concealed within it remains a deep-seated sense of dissatisfaction of incompleteness or of not enough come on somebody we just talked about that i don't have enough yet by which the ego really means i am not enough yet i have therefore i'm i have Therefore, I am the tying of self, the connection of self with forms, right? The physical needs for food, water, shelter, clothing, and basic comforts could be easily met for all humans on the planet. Were it not for the imbalance of resources created by the insane and rapacious need for more, the greed of the ego, eat the rich, no. <laughs> Uh, ego arises when your sense of beingness of I am which is formless consciousness gets mixed up with form this is the meaning of identification this is forgetfulness of being the primary error the illusion of absolute separateness that turns reality into a nightmare The ego may be clever, but it is not intelligent. Cleverness pursues its own little aims. Intelligence sees the larger whole in which all things are connected. Cleverness is motivated by self-interest, and it is extremely short-sighted. Most politicians and business people are clever. Very few are intelligent. 
Whatever is attained through cleverness is short-lived and always turns out to be eventually self-defeating. Cleverness divides, intelligence includes. Ego implies unawareness. Awareness and ego cannot coexist. The old mind pattern or mental habit may still survive or reoccur, for a while, because it has the momentum of thousands of years of collective human unconsciousness behind it. But every time it is recognized, it is weakened. With that said, I just want to encourage you all. We're going to stop here. I want to encourage you all to uh, definitely spend some time recognizing the ego and the ways in which it wants to get us to identify with form and disconnect us from the whole and have us, as as the kids say, in our bags. Because that's what it's always trying to do, right? It's always trying to connect us with something and make us feel inferior and make us kind of find identity in something, Right? Like, for me, it's like, yo, I, I, I find myself, like, sometimes, I, I used to find myself, like, really, like, if I asked a friend to go to the mall with me, and they're like, I can't, and I would, like, you know, and again, you know, neurodivergence and stuff, right, but, like, also, there's, like, this thing, right, where I'm just, like, there was this whole thing that I had internalized in that moment about me. It would be, like, oh, people don't want to go anywhere with me because people don't like me because I'm unlikable and all that. And all of us have that, but that is, like, ego, right? It is, like, this, it's the, it's the way... Because what's the opposite of that, right? Like, people go with me, then people do like me, and people do want to be around me. And, you know, but the ego is sort of this this this, this base, this collection of, like, shit. It's the tape, right? The tape that is connected to everything that they said to you that shaped the ways in which you survive, right? I ain't gonna never be that. I ain't gonna never be that. Fuck that. I ain't this. I ain't that. I ain't gonna do that shit. Um, and often it leads to a sense of negativity, negativity and, and negative consciousness, right? Or, 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 or negative identity, right? Away from consciousness because you're not thinking about um, the way you are connected as a whole, right? You're not present. You're thinking about or constantly what's leading you and leading your actions is the ways in which you are choosing to identify yourself with particular identities um, rather than being present in oneself and realizing um, the connection that is. I hope this is um, good for you all. Uh, next week, I'll be back with uh, um, talking a little bit more about the identification with form. Uh this has been Surviving Fundamentalism. 
a podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely probably will have a problem with this shit here. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you all soon. Thank you once again for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X. A podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely go have a problem with this shit. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or concerns, you may contact me at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you.